The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Airflow Breast Pumps. Did you know that your health insurance will cover the cost of a breast pump? It is true, guys. I promise. In fact, many health insurance plans also cover milk storage bags, breastfeeding prep courses, and more. At Airflow Breast Pumps, you can shop top-rated breast pumps from brands like Medela, Spectra, and Motif without ever opening your wallet. Fill out their quick and easy insurance eligibility form, and they'll take care of the rest. It might just be the easiest thing that you do during your whole pregnancy. Just visit airflowbreastpumps.com slash mommy labor nurse. That's A-E-R-O-F-L-O-W breastpumps.com slash mommy labor nurse to find out why more than 1 million moms have chosen Airflow Breast Pumps to get their pump through insurance. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I am interviewing Daphne Delvaux, who is also known as the Mama Attorney. Daphne is a practicing attorney with her own law firm that specializes in gender discrimination cases and helping women at work. Her platform, The Mama Attorney, aims to empower and inspire women to become educated about their rights at work so that they can embrace their motherhood journey without compromising their career growth. You might have caught my Instagram live. I did with her back in March. And as soon as we connected, I knew that I had to have her on the podcast to really deep dive into these topics because they're so important. And lucky for us, she was totally on board. So inside today's episode, you will hear Daphne answer questions related to pregnancy discrimination, pregnancy accommodations in the workplace, and how to address issues that might come up because there can definitely be some issues that come up. And then we'll shift into talking all about things related to maternity leave, including your federal rights, tips and tricks to get some protective leave, even if your job doesn't qualify you for FMLA, and how you might be able to extend your leave. And there's a whole lot more. After you finish, you can continue learning about prepping for postpartum also in episode 167 and also check out episode 136, Preparing Your Relationship for Baby with Dr. Tracy. All right, Mama, are you ready for a little law school crash course? I am. I hope you are. Let's do it. 
Hi, Daphne. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. I care about this so much. We're going to talk about how to protect our career and our babies and our health. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Very, very important. Needed conversation here in the country that we live in, right? (laughs) Um, So can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, where you're from, anything you want to share at all? So I'm an attorney and specifically an employment attorney, but my niche is really maternal rights in the workplace. So anything during that vulnerable transition when it comes to pregnancy, postpartum, having kids pumping, that's where I exist. And essentially, I try to help moms and parents in general uh, really understand and use their rights so that they don't feel like they have to either work through a very challenging pregnancy, or they don't have enough time with their babies, or they have to rush back to work too soon, or they feel like they have to sacrifice their health at work. So what I do is I educate parents on their rights. I also teach them how to use your rights, how to ask for your rights in a very strategic way. If things go wrong, I'm also there for them too. I help them enforce their rights against their employers. I have two kids myself. I kind of came into this work because I was actually kind of surprised how my rights as a mom were very difficult to be respected in the workplace myself as a lawyer. And I kind of saw this all around me. I also felt it was really hard to ask for my rights because I felt like you're kind of fighting against this mom bias at work where they start Mm -hmm. seeing you as less committed. So I felt really challenged myself. And it was kind of through my own experience that I came to this work. I'm in California right now, but my education on these rights are nationwide. Gotcha. Yeah. I think a lot of us who get passionate and start an Instagram page or a blog or whatever it may be. And, you know, trying to get something started to share it with other people is because we've gone through a personal journey ourselves. And I mean, I can speak to that too. That's kind of why I started Mommy Labor Nurse is my birth with my first one. So once you get the personal aspect in it, it makes a huge difference, I think. Right. I think from my perspective, you know, looking back on the sacrifices I made at work, I'm not even at that job anymore. So the time I sacrificed with my kids or work through nausea, work through you know, not lactating or not yeah. pumping and just all of the pain because I sacrificed myself kind of for this job that at the time was extremely important, but now I'm not even there anymore. So my sacrifice was kind of wasted for nothing. Yeah. You know, at the end of our lives, our bosses are not going to be there. Our clients are not going to be there. Our it's our, our kids, our family and pregnancy and postpartum is this really beautiful time when you are supported. Yeah. If at the same time you're battling your employer or, you know, you're struggling with your career, it can really cause so much anxiety because you need income, you need money and you need job security. So it can make you feel really stuck. And the law is there for moms. It's, you know, not perfect, but we have some rights we can use to really protect us during this transition. Yeah, totally. Well, let's start by talking about that. And I was going to kind of go in, yeah, I guess, chronological order of pregnancy and then talk about postpartum. So let's talk about just some high level laws surrounding pregnancy discrimination and maybe just go over some common ways that you see this violated in your practice. So pregnancy discrimination is the one that we generally all know. You know, we're going to talk about a lot of rights today that 
probably you all may not know, but this one, I'm going to assume we all know pregnancy discrimination is illegal. But the way that we detect it is a lot more nuanced than people think. It doesn't happen that you show up pregnant at work and your boss is like, oh, sorry, you know, you're out of a job that Mm -hmm. we don't really see that. When we prove discrimination, we always use circumstantial evidence. And we do that by looking at how you were treated before they knew you were pregnant and then compare that to how you're treated after you announce your pregnancy. Usually with pregnancy discrimination cases after the pregnancy was announced, suddenly the employer has just a lot of frustration with the pregnant woman. And that can manifest in being written up or disciplined for things that other people do as well, or things that you used to do. For example, if there's like a general flexibility policy in the workplace and you showed up just whenever you were ready to go to work and suddenly you're being held to an attendance policy and being written up and then three write-ups and you're terminated, that can be a sign of pregnancy discrimination when suddenly everything is difficult at work, everything is hard, or you're no longer given important work when they kind of assume, well, she might leave, So we're just going to give her less interesting work or less important work for her career and advancement. So those are the ways that we detect pregnancy discrimination. And the most obvious way is comments, comments such as, Mm. oh, you know, you're going to be out. That's really a burden on us. That's an inconvenience on us. You know, you're really going to leave us hanging. We're going to have to pick up the slack. Comments that indicate the frustration with the woman's time off. Pregnancy discrimination has really very little to do with babies. You know, it's all Mm -hmm. about the fact that babies take us out of work for some time. And that creates an operational interference. It creates an operational challenge for the employer. They have to really sit down and look at how is this work going to be divided? Who's going to do this work? And they have to essentially either hire a temp or the work has to slow down to some effect. And the employers are very frustrated about that because in the end, we exist in capitalism and we are at work to be productive and to make our employers money and be there and work for them. And when we stop doing that, the employer's kind of their brains get short circuited because it's like, well, Mm -hmm. I have to respect your time off, but I also need you. (laughs) So isn't it easier for me to just replace you and put someone in your position like a man? And then I won't have that problem anymore. You know, so with pregnancy discrimination, what we see often is that women get replaced, but in a very sneaky way where Mm -hmm. sometimes they will not fire you outright, but they will make the work environment extremely uncomfortable and difficult and challenging so that you at one point may feel like I need to quit because they don't respect me anymore and I feel betrayed. So pregnancy discrimination can really manifest in many different ways. And it's a very fact-specific analysis, but there's usually some sort of different treatment either between you and others or between you during pregnancy and the you before pregnancy. This is also why I recommend announcing your pregnancy early. So even though that's scary, it will, let's say, you know, they don't know you're pregnant and you're pregnant and you're out of a job. There's no way for you to enforce your rights. But if you Mm -hmm. announce your pregnancy, that will put you in the protections of the anti-discrimination rights that you have. Yeah, that makes sense. Is it something that you think you should talk to just your employer about or HR to or also your coworkers or I guess maybe elaborate more on what you mean by that? So announcing your pregnancy, you want to do that just calm and kind and professional. First, I would suggest 
telling your immediate supervisor, the person that you work with, and just have a verbal conversation with them. Say, look, I'm pregnant and really excited. And then you want to confirm that conversation in writing and send Ah. just a kind of a follow-up email or text and save that. And then you can tell HR because, you know, they're really tasked with helping you figure out your rights and your absence. But announcing your pregnancy, I think what's really important is that when you announce your employer will worry that you might not come back. And truth is, a lot of women don't go back to work. So Mm -hmm. it's not an unfounded concern. And we do, to some extent, have to tell our employers, I'm really excited to come back. You know, I've always envisioned myself as a working mom. That's going to lower the potential of being discriminated against when you assure Mm -hmm. that you want to go back to work. Like my career is important to me. I love working here. And, you know, it's just because we have to be realistic. We can't be naive about the fact that pregnancy discrimination does happen and often happens because employers assume you're going to quit after having a baby. So telling your employer, I'm really excited to work. And I've always envisioned myself as a working mom. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to come back to work after I have a baby. It's going to reduce the chances of discrimination. Gotcha. That's good advice. For sure. Mm-hmm. So can we maybe talk about some accommodations at work for pregnant women and how they're protected and maybe how they can get their needs met there? Yeah. So accommodation rights are a really beautiful thing under the law that a lot of people don't know about. Essentially, what it means is that when you are pregnant or postpartum, you do have to be given preferential treatment at work. So for example, you're experiencing really bad morning sickness, or you have a high-risk pregnancy or back pain, or it's hard to drive, hard to walk, anything that feels limiting, and that's really making it challenging for you to do your job. However, you still want to do your job. Mm -hmm. So for example, you can do your job from home. Usually you go to the office, but you've done the job from home. It can be fully done from home, or you just need a change in your schedule where you can come in a little bit later because your morning sickness is really bad, but the work can be done pretty much at any time. Mm -hmm. That's when you want to use your accommodation rights and you want to ask for a change to your job so that you can ask for a change to the conditions of your job. And recently, a new law was passed, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which allows all women in America to have these rights to pregnancy accommodations. Before that, we had to use it either under state law if if we were eligible or under the ADA, but then you had to have a pretty severe disability. Now, just by virtue of being pregnant and any pregnancy-related symptoms that are fairly common garden variety symptoms, such as back pain or nausea, it will entitle you to have these accommodation rights. Often when women come to me, they feel like I can't keep up or it's too hard, I'm too exhausted, and they feel like they have to quit or they feel like they have to take some or their leave. And then I tell them, you know, when you take your leave now, you're not going to have it when your baby comes. And when you quit, you're going to have no income. So what I encourage them to do always first is explore their accommodation rights and see what is it that you need that would make your job easier. You then have to work with your doctor on that. You would have to tell your OB, you know, I'm really struggling with this aspect of my job. This is what would make it easier. And then with a doctor's note in hand is when you approach your employer. And then with your employer, you work and figure something out. And your employer is not allowed to say, sorry, that doesn't work. Like this is a job, either accept the job or leave. Your employer has an active affirmative obligation under the law 
to try to see how they can accommodate you. The law is really designed in this aspect to make sure that pregnant women can stay employed and they're not forced out of the workforce. So because of that, the employer has to really sit down and look at what is this job? How can we change this job to make it easier for her? Gotcha. That's a good workflow too that you just described. Like, well, let's talk to Daphne first, right? (laughs) And let's figure out how, you know, instead of thinking about quitting, let's think about how we can make our job easier and then go to your doctor. And then with the note in hand, you know, that's when you go to your employer. Um, It makes a lot of sense. And when you said that you're talking about the law, you're talking about federal law, right? Not, this isn't state. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Anytime I'm talking about the law today, these are federal rights that apply to everyone, unless I specify. Got it. Some generally progressive states have additional rights, but the laws and the rights I'm talking to you about today apply to everyone. Gotcha. So if you're listening and you live in the U.S., then everything you're talking about today applies to you, unless you say a certain state. Got it. Do you want to know what's frustrating? Baby PJs with snaps. Why is that even a thing? Why did someone think, oh, I'm going to put a billion snaps on these PJs that a mom or dad has to undo and then redo in the middle of the night when they change their baby's diaper? That is the way that I'm going to make these PJs. (laughs) All seriousness, though, um, yeah, not a fan of the snaps on the PJs. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about this week's sponsor, Simply Magnetic Me. Simply Magnetic Me was created by two parents who are on a mission to make parenting and dressing easier, something I think we can all get on board with. Simply Magnetic Me offers organic cotton essentials with innovative magnetic fasteners that make changing baby practically effortless. You may have heard of Magnetic Me, and Simply is their new sister brand that offers the same beloved magnetic closures at a more affordable price. You can create a custom bundle on their website, combining the prints, styles, and sizes that you want with outfits as low as $15. The more outfits that are in your cart, the more you save. And trust me, babies need a lot of outfits. Simply Magnetic Me also believes making good decisions for your baby means making good decisions for the planet, which is why their outfits are made with GOTS certified 100% organic cotton. The fabric is made without toxic dyes, pesticides, or harsh chemicals. It's as safe as it is gentle on baby's skin. Say no to snaps and head on over to simplymagneticme.com to stock up on no-fuss essentials and use the code MLN20 for 20% off your first order. Let's talk about prenatal appointments because you have to go to prenatal appointments if you're pregnant. So what about those? Are those protected by law? And if they're not, like, is there any way that they can be? Right. So they are protected in two ways. So either under the accommodation rights that we just discussed, Mm -hmm. let's say you have a flexible job and you say, I have these doctor's appointments. And usually employers are like, okay, that's fine. Just come back when you're ready. But then sometimes you have a lot of appointments and towards the end, sometimes they're like every week. So making sure you give notice of them is really important. Also making sure that you specify that this is for pregnancy care. If you tell your employer, for example, that you're taking PTO, or that you just need time off, that is not a protected ask. And what that means is that 
it can be denied or you can even be fired for making that ask. Mm. Every time that asking your employer for something during or after pregnancy, you have to make sure it's a protected ask. So a protected ask would be, I have prenatal care appointment. It can be covered either under your accommodation rights or under your leave rights. If you're eligible for FMLA or a state leave, you can also take protected leave rights for your prenatal appointments. Do keep in mind that time is also taken from your leave bank. So you will have a little bit less time, but you know, if it's just like an hour here or there, usually, hopefully it's not that bad, but first you want to see if you can get your appointments covered under your accommodation rights, because then you have no wage loss and also you secure your leave rights for after the baby. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, what if you're listening to this and you're like, I feel like this is what's going on with me. What would you tell those people? So what I see a lot with prenatal care is that the employer is like, well, we have meetings or we have this thing. Can't you have your appointments like after work hours or in the weekend, which we all know you generally can't. Yeah. Prenatal care is not something that can be easily moved around, as you know, and yeah. because the professionals are busy in the healthcare system. So the law does expect the employer to let the women go to their care appointments. They're not allowed to say, hey, can you just like figure something out so I'm not burdened by it? That yeah. is absolutely a sign of discrimination. And what you have to do if that happens to you is stand really firm in your rights and say, look, I understand that these are rights I have. And that's a scary thing to do because, you know, we're in the workplace and we're worried that something might happen and that our job is at risk if we use language yeah. like that. But honestly, your job is always at risk. You know, we just saw yeah. these mass layoffs and whether or not you're going to use your rights, there's going to be something that can happen either way. And at least if you use your rights strategically, you can then also enforce your rights and call a lawyer and do something about it. So it's always smart to use language such as you understand that I have a right to take time off for prenatal care and you don't have to be aggressive or antagonistic or difficult. You can just say, I understand that this is the right I have, which is just a fact. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. And usually when you use a language like that, the employer will be put on notice like, okay, like, she's, yeah. <laughs> take, take a step back. Okay. I exactly. heard you. Okay. <laughs> she's smart. Like she's protecting yeah. herself and that in the end, the company's going to protect itself. And we also have to protect ourselves. And if you're smart and strategic and you use language to really Put them on notice, like I've researched what your obligations are. I've researched what my rights are. And this is where we are. And you just present it really factually and professionally. And usually that will resolve the problem. That makes sense. And that goes for prenatal appointments or anything you just talked about. If you feel like you're discriminated against, hey, you got to stand firm, like literally take them something. I know you mentioned this in the live and like bring them the law and highlight it and be like, this is look, this is yes. what it says. Bring the receipts. I have my clients do that all the time. Like yeah. I have them actually print out the law and you can find the law online and you highlight it, you find it, and this is going to take some work, but it's something that I do help my clients with. I have a membership program where all of the laws are in there that apply to you. So you don't yeah. have to dig for it. But either way, when you find the rights that apply to you, you can just print that out, bring it to your meetings with HR, bring it to your boss, even bring it within the healthcare system if something happens. And People respect that. I mean, it's bold, but it's very extremely effective because you're yeah. bringing the receipts. And sometimes the employer's like, well, I had no idea. <laughs> I would think no. that a lot of times that they do. And it's not, maybe it's not 
an intentional kind of thing from them. They're just like, I didn't know that I had to do this. Yeah. And I see that all the time. I mean, who has time to stay really up to date on all the employment laws? I mean, that's, right. this is my job. I do this every day. But it's a lot. It's a complex network of rules. So, of course, employers are not going to know. They're not yeah. going to know the depth and the nuance of employment law in a way that a lawyer would. Yeah. Well, I know you briefly mentioned your membership program. So I was going to ask you where, like, obviously we're talking about, you know, you can print stuff off and talk to them. But what if someone's like, I mean, do I just call a lawyer on do you just Google? Like, where do I go? And I know you mentioned your membership program. So I wanted you to tell people about that before we, oh, talk, thank you. Before we start talking that. about maternity stuff. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. So what I was seeing a lot is two things. One when we are Googling, we're often receiving information from a different state and that can mm. be extremely misleading. And then you have a mistaken uh, understanding about what your rights are because every state has different employment laws. Yeah. So even though we have some of the laws that I talked about today that are general, as a whole, you're going to have a different set of rights depending on where you live, where you work, how long you've worked there and how big your employer is. So it's a bit of a puzzle and that's very frustrating as someone who's just trying to figure out what their rights are. So I'm, I created a program because what you really need is information that is directly individually tailored to your situation. And yeah. when you're going to go on blogs, it's never going to be tailored to you. So I wanted to create something that is extremely reliable and also by an ally, someone who really is invested in you, protecting your baby, protecting your health, protecting your career. Because when you go to your employer, your employer has no obligation to teach you what I'm teaching you today. They only will share information in a way that it protects themselves because that's in their best interest. It doesn't help employers to teach their employees how to take more time off. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So when you go to HR, for example, they might tell you about policies, but they will not necessarily educate you on your rights. And those are two very different things. In the end, you're going to want to know what your rights are. And then if there's additional policies, that's great. But policies are not the law. So, for example, something that I see a lot is that employees go to their HR and ask for the maternity leave policy. I advise against that. And the reason I advise against that is because, first of all, it is actually not a legal request. When you're asking for a policy that is a benefit, it's a privilege, it's a perk, which means that it can be denied. And you can also be fired for asking for a policy. When you ask for oh. time off after birth, you actually have to ask for your rights, whether it is FMLA, whether it is rights under state law or certain accommodation rights, you have to use that language. Because if you do not, and then you get fired, there's no way to enforce your rights. And also, again, your rights may not be denied. Your employer is not allowed to say, oh, that doesn't work for me. You know, it's the law. So they have to respect the law. But when it comes to policy, the employer is allowed to say, well, yeah, this used to be the policy, but now it's not the policy anymore. Or actually, we're going to change the policy. So I advise my clients and people I work with to not talk about policy and to talk about the law, talk about their rights. And then again, if there's additional policies that are providing benefits on top of the rights, that's great. But you always want to start by first researching, what am I entitled to under the law? Then you create your own plan. Then you go to HR and you say, look, 
I understand these are my rights. Is that true? And it's almost like you go to them already educated, empowered, and informed. You're like, I know what I'm going to get. Let's just yeah. have a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of asking them what your rights are, because you may not receive information that is accurate, you may not receive information that is in your best interest. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of nothing to do about that. The law expects the employees to ask for their rights. The law does not expect employers to educate their employees on what their rights are. It is not like, for example, yesterday I was talking to this dad and he said, oh, I only learned later that I was actually entitled to a 12 week leave, but my employer never told me, can I do something about that? I'm like, no, because you never asked for it. Mm -hmm. They have no obligation to tell you anything. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, they gave me this like two week paid leave policy. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) but you never asked for your rights. You never asked for the full 12 weeks. So there's no way to get that time back. So what the program provides, my membership is really individualized information about your rights. And then also a script. How do I approach? Oh, I like that. Yeah, and ask for yeah, I know I know like, I need a script. script. Yeah. <laughs> so how do I go into that meeting empowered, informed, and educated and ask for what I need? And also, you know, do it in a really respectful, professional way. So I provide the script and you know, it's like an email template, for example, of asking for maternity leave or asking for prenatal appointment time off so that you don't feel like what is the language I use? How do I protect myself? What is strategic language? And what I wanted to create is essentially a hub of information that can help you during this process without the attorney's fees, high charges that you Mm -hmm. would usually see if you go to an individual attorney. Makes sense. Well, hats off to you. I mean, I feel like that's something that everybody just needs to (laughs) hop on. (laughs) Thank you. All right. The sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, I just wanted to say thank you for your awesome Birth It Up course. This was my second birth and second C-section. I was diagnosed with help with my firstborn and had an emergency C-section at 27 and 5. I was very antsy about having another baby, but your course helped ease a lot of fears and gave me a more clear understanding of everything. I can happily say that this C-section was amazing. Before baby was born, during, and after, I was so relaxed. The entire OR team and I were just joking and laughing and discussing everyday things. Oh, that is so great to hear. Little dude was literally pulled out during a fit of laughter. (laughs) Thank you for making this experience a dream compared to the first. I love these. I love these. I love these. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. Well, let's hop into, speaking of hopping, let's hop Mm -hmm. into maternity leave rights. Mm -hmm. And can you just, you know, kind of start off by giving us a brief overview of what FMLA even is? Because I know what it stands for and I kind of know what it is, but a lot of people are like, what really is it? Yeah. So the first thing is that maternity leave 
is not a legal concept. So under the law, we either use disability leave or bonding leave or both. And FMLA is a 12-week leave of absence, but not everyone's eligible. You do have to have worked somewhere for a year for at least 12, 50 hours in that preceding year. And the employer needs to have 50 or more employees. And it is also an unpaid leave. So that's a little bit frustrating. Now, what we really want people to know is that under their state rights, they may have additional time off rights. And that's something that I really want people to look into. Unfortunately, it's pretty divided. So if you live in a progressive state, you will most likely have additional rights, additional time off rights or a benefits program so that you can be paid. When you live in a conservative state, it is very unlikely you will have additional rights. So it's pretty divided that way. But when it comes to maternity leave and FMLA, it is a 12-week leave that you can take. You can also take it in blocks. So you can take it Mm. intermittently. You don't have to take it all at once. And it can be used for disability and bonding. What a lot of people don't know is, for example, they ask for the time off And then at six weeks, that postpartum visit, the employee's taken off disability. The doctor says you're no longer disabled. And then the woman thinks, oh, I have to go back to work. But actually, you have six more weeks of bonding time. But you do have to ask for it. So this is where we see this kind of assumption that women only have six weeks of time off, which is untrue. It's something that we just see, unfortunately, because people are uninformed and uneducated on what their rights truly are. So it's something that, you know, when I see this, misconception about women in America get six weeks off. That's something that I really fight against because when Mm -hmm. we keep saying that women are going to assume that's true when truly they usually have more rights. And I really want to encourage everyone to look at their rights under state law, which can provide an entire network. You know, in certain states like Massachusetts, you can have up to six months of paid time. Same in New York, in California, where I am, same thing because you can stack like a disability leave and a bonding leave. And some states have really incredible programs. Washington has a good program and more states are rolling out, Colorado, Oregon. And so what we're seeing with paid leave is there's no action on the federal level. I mean, we've been trying to push for a national paid leave law for so long, but what we're seeing is states kind of taking the initiative to create their own systems. And there's a lot of development right now in state law. Yeah. Makes sense. I have a question. What if you live in a certain state, but you work for a remote company? Like where do your... Yeah, that's happening a lot. Yeah. So when you work in a state, that's the laws you will apply. So if your employer is headquartered in Delaware, but you live in Alabama, you're going to be held under Alabama law. Got it. Something that I'm seeing a lot now because I'm in California and it's so enragingly expensive is a lot of parents and families are leaving to other cheaper states. And I tell them, just so you know, you're going to lose all of the benefits of living here as well. And some people are actually moving also to California for the benefit system. So you just want to be really intentional with your family planning, because when you move to a certain state, you're going to either gain or lose a lot of benefits. And a lot of parents who are moving away from a state like California are losing a tremendous amount of paid benefits during a parental leave that they could take. So it's really important that you know that when you live in a state, those are the laws that will be applied to you. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, what if you are asking for leave and your job is just like, we're not going to qualify to you. 
are there any kind of workarounds to this? I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, but yeah. So if you're not qualified for FMLA, because either your employer is small, right. You're not there a year or something. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can look at your accommodation rights. And again, the Parental Workers Fairness Act or the ADA okay. may entitle you to some time off. And you would again say, I need time off for childbirth recovery. Can you accommodate certain time off a certain window? It's a little bit harder because there's more of a discussion needed as opposed mm. to with asking for an FMLA right, which is an absolute right. When it comes to these leave rights, your employer has no discretion. They're not allowed to say, sorry, that doesn't work for me. They have to provide it and they have to provide it when you need it. Even if it's during a busy quarter, it doesn't matter. And they also have to provide you with your job back when you come back. But accommodation rights, when you're asking for time off under accommodation rights, there is a bit more of a discussion, but it is an option. And I actually see a lot of women I work with create essentially a maternity leave through their accommodation rights. Makes sense. Makes sense. What if you go to your company and they're like, this is our policy. Sorry. What do you do then? Do you go higher in the company or do you go your own route? What do you even do? So when something goes wrong, usually that means there's either a manager that's not educated on your rights. And that's when you want to elevate the issue to human resources. And again, you want to go into these meetings empowered, informed and educated and say, I know these are my rights. And I talked to my manager and my manager is like, we can't make that work. It's my understanding that these are the rights I have and the company does have to work with me to figure something out. Yeah, HR is really tasked with a compliance issue. So those are going to be usually the most educated sources and resources on your rights. However, not always. There's no legal training that is required to do an HR job. So sometimes they may also not know either. And that's when you want to really approach them with the law in hand. And you want to just keep elevating it and making sure that every conversation you have, you put it in writing, but you do need to give the employer an opportunity to fix it, an opportunity to review the law and research and investigate, and then hopefully resolve the issue. If you just feel like you've reached the end of the line, that's when you want to call an attorney. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Where do you even go to look up your state? Rights. You just Google North Carolina maternity leave state rights. I don't know. Where do you pull these, you know, the laws to even highlight and show them? Yeah. So it's something I have in my membership. In addition, you want to find blogs of attorneys like me who help employees. And they often have really good information on your rights on their website, on their blog. So that's something you want to look at is blogs of attorneys who represent employees. It's important that you find those attorneys are not the ones that represent employers. Employers. Different yeah. information. Yeah. But the blogs by attorneys are really good. Um, another source you can go to is sometimes something like legal aid, but legal aid is often really busy now. And also be kind of cautious with government websites because government websites are not always going to be about your rights, but sometimes about certain benefits. And it's going to be often incomplete information. So the most reliable source are going to be blogs or writings or presentations by attorneys who represent employees in your state. Makes sense. So what do you even do once you start planning and coordinating your maternity leave 
when do you start doing it? I know I have a lot of pregnant women, obviously, listening to this podcast. And I remember what you said in your live, like, once you pee on that stick, it might be a good idea to start thinking about your maternity leave. So I want you to answer this question, but I want you to answer it like, if you're already 40 weeks, it's okay. There's still stuff you can do. (laughs) Yeah. So I really empower women to start thinking about their maternity leave once yeah. because it's going to take time to transition that job. And it's another reason why I encourage women to announce their pregnancy soon, because it's going to give you more time to plan. And if something yeah. does go wrong, you can also take time off. And otherwise, you know, you're going to be just kind of working through a loss, which you don't want to do. So, but when it comes to planning of maternity leave, where I often see cases is where the employees actually waiting too long and then not providing their employer enough of a buffer or window to figure out their absence. And that's kind of unfair to the employer. So a lot of women feel like, oh, I'm not going to announce it's better. I'm going to wait. And that's actually creating Mm. fertile ground for discrimination for yourself. And it's always better to announce so that you can tell your employer I'm due in November. Let's sit down now and see, you know, the work that's on my plate. And then you can have a series of meetings to really make sure that, you know, if you plan well for it, it can kind of happen without a hitch. You know, I have a a pregnant employee myself right now. She told me really early and I've known for a very long time that she's going to be out May, uh, starting in May. So, you know, like I acted accordingly and I've known this for many months, so it's not going to be an issue for me. And But we want to make sure when we are pregnant that we do understand that our absence is going to create an operational hiccup that we don't want to make it harder for our employers. And if you are listening and you're pregnant and you haven't told your boss, I want you to pause this podcast and (laughs) tell them right now. (laughs) (laughs) Do not wait. Waiting is self-sabotage when it comes to announcing your pregnancy in the workplace. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it's not like you have to tell your coworkers that you sit beside. It's like you really only tell the people who are kind of in charge of your job, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you're going to have to tell them anyway. So yeah, kind of yeah. tell them now. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, I know we kind of already talked about what pregnant moms can do, or if you're already on maternity leave if they're having any pushback, but what about if they're having difficulty interpreting the law or maybe their employer is having difficulty interpreting the laws? Yeah. So that happens a lot because the law is very confusing and then there's exceptions and then there's interpretations and nuances. And sometimes the women will come to me and they're like, my, I'm just so confused. Yeah. HR is telling me one thing, but I'm researching my rights and it's telling me another thing. And my program I created really was hopefully, you know, intended to be a source of reliable information. And, but if you do feel like I'm very confused about my rights, you really want to reach out to an attorney local to your state and set up a consultation. And I think a lot of people are scared to do that, but it may make the difference of your entire job or like another month of leave or something that would make your life a lot easier and Mm -hmm. something that will protect your health. So I really encourage people to do that and not be nervous about using the attorneys that are there as a resource. That makes sense. And I think a lot of people, I mean, this is how I am. When you think about 
I need to reach out to an attorney. That sounds so intimidating. Right. Maybe it's a mindset shift of like reaching yeah. out to an attorney. You know, maybe it does cost a fee, but mm-hmm. it's not like you have to have a whole retainer with them and they're right. representing you or anything. It's like yeah. it's really just a consultation. Yeah, it's a strategy consultation. They may charge you for that, but it's money well spent. Yeah. Sometimes there's free consults as well. Some attorneys do free consults of like 20, yeah. 30 minutes. Sometimes it can be resolved. Yeah. But yeah, you want to make sure you go to a legal expert because this is a complex legal issue. And what yeah. I see a lot of people do is go to coaches and, and ah. you know, there's a lot of great coaches, parental leave coaches, but they're not trained on the law. Yeah. And that's really the knowledge that you need. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Good advice. Well, you have an Instagram page. I know that we talked a little bit about your membership, but I want to give you the opportunity to let people know where they can find you on Instagram, the internet, all of that stuff. Yeah, Instagram. So Instagram, the mom attorneys where you can find me. I do talk about these things too, but my Instagram is also a little bit of an extension of me in the sense that I talk about my opinions about yeah. political events. I talk about just what's going on in the world. I talk about my kids. I talk about frustrations as a parent. So it's not going to have like the comprehensive network of laws that I have in my membership, which is really created and designed to be a legal resource. But what I love about my Instagram is that it is kind of that creative outlet for me where I can express certain opinions to the world. And then like, Hey, did you know this about your rights? Because the law is kind of complex and really important. I do not provide like comprehensive legal education on my Instagram because it's just not possible through that forum. Too much. Yeah. It's, I can't fit it into a caption or I can't fit it into like a 90 second reel. Like it's just needs more of a discussion. So that's where my membership is best. But my Instagram, please come find me there because it's really fun. Like I just, we have a lot of discussion, discussions just about being a mom in the workplace and the mm-hmm. frustrations and the things that are hard and the things that can help. And so it's an extension of me and just the way that I view the world. So yeah, I'd love to see you there and send me a message and say hi. Yeah, sounds good. We will definitely link that. And we'll also link your membership as well in the show notes page for anybody to find and definitely take advantage of. I'm all for this. So I (laughs) I was very excited to talk to you today because I know this episode is very, very needed for my community. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course, anytime. Wow, that was such an informative episode. I don't know about you guys, but my brain is just like, whoa, (laughs) there's a lot that people don't know. Oh my goodness. I think that's the problem too, is that a lot of the stuff is way over people's heads. So it's really intimidating for people who don't know anything about law, you know, and how to advocate for their rights. It's just really intimidating. So you don't really do anything about it. So I'm really, really happy that I got to talk to her today and put out this episode for you guys, because I hope that this empowers you guys. If you are experiencing, whether it's now during your pregnancy or down the road, any sort of discrimination that you have this information available and you're able to use it. Next week on the Mommy Liver Nurse Podcast, we are going to be talking about epidurals, epidurals 101. Uh, And we're going to be specifically talking about pushing with epidurals because that can be a, 
uh, I don't want to say complicated process, but there's just some things to know. So we're going to do a deep dive into pushing with an epidural. So I will see you guys same time, same place next week. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Houston, Con's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building. Visit Cons today and find out what invincible feels like.